Welcome to the 6am Run Podcast. My name is Mark Paisant. I'm an avid runner, a certified personal trainer, a 6am Run ambassador, and host of the show. Be sure to head over to the website, 6amrun.com, to sign up today to get 20% off of your first order. Now, let's start the show. Hello, and welcome back to the 6AM Run Podcast. I am your host, Mark Paisant. As always, a pleasure to have you being a part of the show, listening. This is your first time listening. You are in for a treat. Because I like to tell people, even though it has run in the title, we like to just bring on some amazing human beings and and uh, tell some good stories and just let people have a little bit of a break from fitness and listen to just some absolutely amazing stories from absolutely amazing people. So before we get started, as always, this show is brought to you by 6am run and 6am run.com. Head over to that website to get 20% off of your first order. So today we have Jason Pike and Jason has a real, I want to say unique story. Um, He is a vet he was in the military. He was in the army, and um, there's a, between that and now, there's a lot has gone on. He is now an author, and we will talk about the book. But Jason, I want to first say thank you for being a part of the show. Why don't you go ahead and just introduce yourself for our audience? Hey, thank you, Mark. I'm honored to be on your show very much. I'm, I'm really happy to be here. Uh, yeah, I spent. My name is Lieutenant Colonel Jason Pike. Call me Jason. Uh, families call me Jake and uh, that's my nickname. But uh, yeah, I was in the army for 31 years and uh, I started at the bottom at age 17. uh, And I went through uh, nine years overseas. Uh, It's not just been war, but it's been operations other than war and many, many crazy life experiences. I wrote a book called A Soldier Against All Odds and I defied a lot of odds in many different ways. Um, and so that's my, my book's about inspiration, hope and driving on and persistence. Yeah. And, and again, I appreciate you being a part of it. Thank you for your service. My, my father is a vet. My brother is currently still in the Navy. So, um, I know the sacrifice that goes into that life. So thank you so much for your service. Um, and, but, but before we even start about talk about that, like you have a, a story that starts early when, at seven, you had an acute learning disability and you had trouble even passing the first grade. So <laughs> what was it about that time? Like, do you remember that time in your life? What, how did you make it through such an early age and now you're an author? Like that must feel great, but kind of talk about those first few, few, uh, years in, in school. Yes. Um, I still got the learning disability, my ability to process information like regular people. I I think all your viewers, if y'all took a test or if we all took a test, I guarantee you about 90% of your viewers are going to do better on the test, a standardized test. 
uh, my ability to read and write and just follow just basic instructions is very, very low. It was identified by professionals, not only in the, when I was seven years old, but also after I got my college degree, which I had two college degrees, but even after that, uh, I just processed things slowly. And I was not labeled as a dyslexic or just a problem. I was late. My dad, my father told me, hey, son, you know, I, I know you got some problems. You're going to fail the first grade, but just keep on going. And that's what I did. But it was it was a skeleton to me. And throughout this book, I talk of ways of how I didn't, I, I compensated for it in many ways. And it sort of stuck with me. I still got it, still got it today. And of course, I, I have to, I need a lot more help than probably the average person on, on any given task. And you, you talk about your, your father and, and, and kind of the words he gave you. And I, I know there are different ways of going about when a child has some sort of, you know, learning disability that keeps him back a little bit. But and were your parents, was your father ever shy about talking to you about it? Would, did he kind did he not want to have those conversations because you were too young or was he open that this was a part of your life, but you could move past it? He didn't want to talk about it and he didn't want to have any labels put on me. He just wanted to go with what he knew was you just keep on going. And so, but I knew that I was different and I knew that, and there was a, not a lot of expectations put on me just because of that. I'm kind of thankful for that because it allowed me to be creative in the way I went about things. Um, probably, I probably, he should have probably went on the recommendation of the counselors to, to, to give me some extra instructions on reading and writing, but Maybe it was money or something, but he didn't do that. Mm -hmm. but no, he had a, he, I think it's okay to, I learned failure and pain at a very early age and kids are more resistance or resilience, I think. And so to me, failure was a good thing and it's okay to fail and make mistakes. It's just not okay to sort of give up. Uh, that's kind of, and then he, he taught that through example of his life. He came out of some very, very poor white trash, third class of white type of back background in South Carolina and Georgia. And he talked about those stories a lot. And I just thought, well, eventually it just sunk into me that uh, his example of not quitting was per pervasive throughout my life. Yeah. yeah, I can I can see that. Sounds like just a dad trying to to make sure his his son knew that he was still you know, worthy and, and valuable and, and could, could work through anything and kind of instilled that power in you to, to know that you could, you could still make it. So we'll jump forward a few years and, and you decided, uh, read this correctly, you decided to join the military earlier than most people. Is that correct? Yes. So I was older. Um, and at the age of 17, at that time, you, all you need was your uh, mother's signature uh, on the form. Uh, and, and I went into, I was at the very bottom of the group. I mean, I was, I went in, I didn't have, I was a junior in high school because I, I didn't, I, I went into the National Guard in the beginning. So everything was from the bottom. The National Guard is not the top most rated soldiers uh, in the world. And uh, so I went, in, they used to call us nasty girls or no goes. We just, you know, we were weekend warriors for the most part. And I started at that level. And then I, there was not a lot of options for me. I, I, I mean, I could go into agriculture, into farming or something, or, or, or join the military. Uh, college was definitely out of the question. 
But of course, I did get college degrees throughout. But it, at that time, it was not even. I mean, my SAT scores were abysmal. We're, we're, we're talking about very, very, very low. It, I mean, my high school counselor uh, says, do not even go to college. <laughs> so, uh, but um, yeah, that's kind of how, how it was in the very beginning. Yeah. And how, so, so we talked about kind of the, the, the learning disability and, and growing up, knowing as a child that you're you know, different than other kids in, in regard to how you process information. How were those first few months, few years like in the military? Like, I, I know it's not just, you know, brunt force. You're actually having to learn things and process information. Was that, I mean, was that tough for you getting through those first years? Oh, no doubt. It was like tough, like drinking water through a fire hose is what I like to say. It was just, I could not understand it. Um, acronyms, the instructions go here, go there. And I'm scratching my head. I'm wondering how to, I, I it, it was so bad. I was almost kicked out a few times in the military, but then the very beginning, uh, my drill sergeant identified that I, I, I just couldn't get it together. Um, maybe my helmet was misaligned. Maybe my equipment was not strapped properly. I was acting div- different than everyone. And they, they, they try to jump on those little differences. So he sent me to a, uh, he almost wanted to kick, he wanted to kick me out. He sent me to a criminal correctional facility, not for criminal misbehavior, but to sort of scare me straight and to, or to try to break me, um, and break me out. Um, but I, I held in, uh, I was there and came back bloodied and bruised from the f- confinement facility, uh, that day. And, um, I changed, um, I guess an attitude adjustment would be, uh, I, it's not that I had a bad attitude. It's just that sometimes when you go through bad events, you come out a little differently. And, uh, even after I got out of basic training, my, in, in my book, my national guard lead my first national guard leader, he wanted to lock me up and send me away because he couldn't get through simple instructions with me. So yes, it was, it was different. It was very different and very difficult in those first few years. And when, and when you look back at those years and, and cause you've made a, a wonderful career for yourself, like you said, you have, you know, the college degrees. Now you're an author, you have a successful 31 year military career. When you look back at those first years, do you hold anything against those, those first leaders? Do you hold any grudges or, or is there anything that you hold against the people who attempted to keep you back? I don't hold anything against them because they were saying and doing things that most people basically, most people thought. In other words, it, it was all the common denominator was me and not the the leaders. And it was not the sergeants. It was not the high school. They all thought, you know, this guy's not going to be able to, he might, maybe I could do well at manual labor, which my first job was in just doing manual box making and things, but, or maybe I could be in charge of a, maybe work at a fish and tackle entrepreneur, fish and tackle shop or something. Uh, or, but no, 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 they I don't hold anything against them. They, they were pretty much, uh, on path to just thinking the same thing. And most people, you know, yeah, I know that's tough, and that's that's you know very very kind of you, and and to have that opinion that you know maybe most of us in their same shoes would have possibly done the same thing. That has to be you know that has to be brought into it. So let's go forward a little bit. And and do you remember your first deployment? What was that like? How how did you feel? Where did you go? And and kind of what did you learn in that first deployment? 
deployment overseas is what I first remember in the National Guard a little bit years later. Um, I spent nine, eventually I spent nine years overseas, but I, there was something about living overseas that just excited me and drew out the best in me, uh, the culture, the foods, the, how people, how people were so different. And I didn't feel so different overseas because they don't, they don't pick up your behaviors as well because it's a different language. So I sort of felt part of, I felt better to be in these other countries because I didn't stand out as much. Yeah. And I, the first one, the first one I had was in Italy, but it was only for two weeks. Um, so I, I just remembered uh, eating the Italian food and drinking the Italian coffee and seeing how they interacted and the different culture. And I just thought, wow, this is, this is pretty cool. It was my first experience living overseas. And, and those experience, you, not all the deployment experiences were, were like Italy for you. So you had some experiences in your, in your military career that you of course write about in the book, but, and I don't want to give people everything in the book, but what was one of the deployments that you remember really, it was one of the ones that, that you had to fight through. When you look back, you think to yourself, how did I get through this? You know, what are one of, what, what, what was that deployment like and what, where was it? Well, if you look at the hardest, when I say when I went to war, but it really wasn't the war. I, and this was much later when I went to war in Afghanistan and it wasn't really the bombs, the bullets and the blood. What it was, was a buildup of stress that occurred from a federal investigation in Korea to my father's death to big bam and then i had to go to afghanistan while i was grieving my father mm -hmm. as a leader so this was that would be the the biggest uh most down part of my uh my 31 years and that was really towards towards the later end when i just had some one two three punches i'd already built up a whole lot of resilience and strength but still as a strong person a senior officer in the military that was hard just because the grief of my father and then having to put up with war at the same time you're having two different levels of stress going on and oh by the way i had just gone through a federal investigation of it was a bogus investigation so mm -hmm. i guess sometimes even as a senior person or even as a strong person you can still get down and i was down in afghanistan i had to go through my grief while i was dodging bullets and bombs and uh, processing my father's death that was that was pretty tough you know yeah, and and I would definitely love to to talk about the investigation. However, I think this brings up a good point, which you know, people who aren't in the military, we don't talk about enough, or we, we don't see enough, and and we've heard of of all the issues with the VA, and we've heard the PTSD and the suicide rates and the mental issues with people who come back from war and not getting the help they deserve. Can you talk about? the mental aspect of war not and you mentioned it's not always the bullets and the bombs and the blood but it's the fact that people have to keep so much in and then live their life with it so how talk about the mental aspect of going to war i had to focus i had a i had to i had to entirely focus on the on the job at hand and and my mental strength i what i did with the uh, built up of the stress and handling it as I would work out and process it. I'd, I'd walk around this airfield. It was Shindan Air Base. I'd walk around with two different weights and just process what I was doing and how I was going to get back home. We, we counted the days back. 
And so it was a foot, you know, when you count days, you've heard that in the movies, I'm counting my days back. That's sort of a one, two, three, it's a positive level. Um, I've got, I've got, uh, I got a hundred days or 50 days and you're focusing on how many days you get out. And then just, a, it's a, it, it was a, it was, I was in a, like when I, when I, when a Humvee blew up, that was outside the gate and it just went to smithereens. I didn't even want to look at that. I was still focused on doing what I need to do and what I, my job is to get out of there. I didn't want to go to see funerals. I didn't want my uh, mental capacity to be deviated off or to, to, to go off into tangents. I just wanted to focus on getting out, taking care of me and my soldiers and then going home. And yeah, it was the buildup of stress and it was that you have to, you have to lock up. And, but I, I, I think I got that stress. I would process that out through imaging in the mornings, usually just walking or in the gym, just doing a left, right, left type of a motion that I just uh, accidentally uh, just, I don't know. It just, I just did it and it, and it was by accident. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm glad that you found that. And, and as a leader, is is that something you had to help your your people with? Is that something because I'm sure you had a lot of people who came to you and, and needed advice, needed guidance, needed that 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 voice of support. And was that that was that a common like conversation you had with the people that you led? Well, we had this conversation before and right before we went through a lot of what if scenarios and this, and when you get over there, how are you going to process? So we went through steps of what do you do to keep in touch with your family members back home? There's various methods to do that. If you get bored and you're depressed about being in, in Afghanistan, that means you need to, there's ways that you can go and take college education through online, do, do, save your money. Um, and then, you know, uh, pay your bills, um, and take care of your family members over. You can, they can take care of you. We've got Skype. We've got internet. Um, they're not always in, but there's ways to keep in touch. Also, just um, keep yourself busy, um, whether it be working out. Go back home uh, or go do this deployment and then go back stronger. Maybe you want to build some muscle and some weights. There's time to do that. We've got a lot. We've got gym. Maybe you want to lose some weight. Maybe you want to uh, get your some college degrees. There's ways to do that online, even at that time. So I would I would tell them, you know, you need to keep uh, positive and you need to keep busy. Uh, and then we'll get out of here and do your job. You'll get your combat patch. You'll get your badge. You'll get your award. And you'll have done your time uh, for your country. So we, we said just keep the keep yourself focused. Uh, that's that's pretty much what it was. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm 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 just thinking about that conversation and you know and you know words and and mean one thing, but then actually the, doing the action when you get there probably is. Yeah, a lot tougher. So uh. we, we had a lot of training uh, before the war. We had a whole lot of uh, uh, training uh, of what to do, how to react to fire, uh, how to react to ambushes that not that we had to do it. But and we had a, we had a history lesson on the Afghanistan situation. We knew where we were going to. We knew uh, how to dress. We knew a lot of the things. Uh, and there. And, and so my soldiers were, were really prepared. Uh, we had to go through extra training just to go there. Uh, the, the conversations there were mostly, um, you know, um, how, how to stay busy because war can be uh, sometimes a lot of boredom with a lot of crazy uh, activity. Uh, but mostly there's a whole lot of boredom in war. So you want to keep yourself busy. Uh, and, 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 and there's things that you can do to help other people um, over there. Uh, yes, they had the chapel. They had the uh, 
I said, go to the uh, chapel, go, go get your, uh, whatever type of religion you are, go there. Um, that's a, that's an outlet. We had mental health, uh, uh, we had stress relief dogs. There, there were dogs there just uh, hanging around with the soldiers. There were st stress relief and we had a, we had a combat stress control team. This was a team of people who were in psych, well, psychiatry and things. They were, and they, you could go to them anytime uh, and get help. And we encouraged that as well um, because they're going to be much more uh, expertise. Not, not, mm -hmm. I am not a combat support. I'm not a, a combat <laughs> mental health person, but we had them there. So yeah, so yeah, so they would go there and you could talk in private to them uh, on any of your uh, problems. That, that's good to know, and, and we've kind of talked a little bit about, you know, the mental anguish and kind of the, the, the tough parts of the military. What, what's a, a positive memory you have of your 31 years in, in your military life? Um, I would just say the food, the Korean food. I mean, mm -hmm. uh, the, it, I was in Korea three different times, and I love the, mm -hmm. the kimchi, the uh, cabbage, the fermented cabbage, the vegetables, mm -hmm. uh, the red, the garlic, the uh, that type of taste, that type of smell lives with me today, and I don't go without it. Um, that's one of the things that I would have never experienced, and that's a very healthy food, by the way, Korean food, and. Uh, mm -hmm. Uh, so yeah, that would be, uh, that's one of the things that lived with me. Yeah. Uh, and food has that, that place in our heart. Like we, the taste, right when we taste it again, it takes us back to a, a certain point in our career. So I, I love that answer. And so let's go ahead and talk about the book a little bit. Um, a soldier against all odds. It is available on Amazon or anywhere you can uh, find your, you know, books, Kindle, hardcover, paperback, all that good stuff. And, and I want to read this. It says, A brutally honest tale of a soldier's unorthodox life, a rogue career, and an often maverick character not easily aligned with the military credo. So I have to first start ask you, what does, what does rogue, unorthodox, maverick, easily not easily aligned what do those what do those descriptions mean about you what does that mean about you as a soldier well uh, we talked about that i had problems understanding instructions so therefore uh in reading and writing so therefore i had to compensate over those those problems and by compensating over those problems gave me a little bit of a a rogue character whatever it takes to get it done i didn't necessarily go by rules and regulations I went outside the box. I thought when I thought of a problem, I matter of fact, I don't even like rules and regulations. If you could, that doesn't really match a line with the military, but I, that, my brain don't work that way. I don't think of it that way. I, I look at this is the goal and I might go a different route. Um, so, and that's what I did. I was un, uh, unconventional as far as going from enlisted to officer, but not only that, it was just, taking my time. I took a lot longer and I failed a few courses uh, along the way, but I eventually got to my goal. Um, I, I eventually learned that I was, I was in the 10th special forces group, which was an airborne outfit. They are definitely rogue soldiers are just, and I felt very, I, I got along with them very, very well. I was only there for a short period of time, maybe about a year. And, but I, I learned that I was I, 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 I thought in a different manner when I went there and that's how I sort of carried my life uh, around. I was a little, uh, I, I did things a little differently than most. And therefore, um, the stories just built up over time and over those 31 years. 
um, that's kind of how it the just the, the getting in the trouble that I've gotten into and the getting out of the trouble, um, just various things that went along the way with it. Um, yeah, yeah, there's no doubt. It was just a, a different type of uh, officer, a different type of soldier that developed. You know. And so I guess the next just question to ask, to follow up on that is, is why write the book? What was the reason that you decided to sit down and take time out of your life to put you know words to paper, put pen to pad, have the... Uh, an editor, have a publisher, like go through this process. Why write this book? Everyone was asking the question, how the hell did someone like you do that? And they were, I was like water cooler material. I'd sit around, where's Jason at? Where's he going? What's he going to trouble? He's going to get into now. Um, and I just thought there was so many, how did you, uh, how did you, so I thought there were so many stories that were built up and I thought, I could answer the question on how I did it, but it's going to take a long while. Um, and I thought through that and I, I said, well, now I've got a book that answers the question of how I methodically went through it, how I got into trouble. how I got So everyone was asking, how did a dumbass like you do all this stuff? And they, if they weren't <laughs> thinking it, they were definitely taught the close friends were asking it and they were always surprised. Even how and how how my dad he was my he says how did you do this? how in the world son did you do this how did you how you I can't believe it you surprised me and so that's kind of how I wanted to get the book out now that's one and and you mention your dad in in a part of the book you mention a fight that you had with him and mm-hmm. it's 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 mentioned in the book you write it down so it must have some sort of relevance in your life. Why is that in the book, and what was that about? So my my book is dedicated to my father. Um, he was the one after after he passed away, and after I decided to look, I, I I found out he had a huge influence on me. But when I got the fight with me, me and my father, when I came back from basic training, I was pretty strong and tough, and I had a lot of strength, and he could see a difference in me. He wanted to challenge me. I was I just turned eighteen years old. So he was pushing me around. He detected a little bit of a badass attitude in me at the young age. And he just wanted to challenge me. He threw me to the ground. We rolled around, had a fight. He threw me on my back. I picked him up and I I picked him up and I body slammed him. And when I body slammed him, he said, no more, no more. Um, And he said, uh, and I was kind of scared. I I thought I hurt him. Um, And um, but he was he he was proud uh, that I did that. And, um, I, yeah, that was, uh, that was a fight when I just came back from basic training, but no, he, he, he had a good influence on me and, uh, I dedicate the book to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I love the fact that you mentioned a, a fight where you body slam your dad and immediately <laughs> say he had a good influence on me. I love, I love, <laughs> I love, I'm already seeing the dynamic that you two had, um, where he, it seems like he was the he wanted to test your limits because he didn't want you not to test your limits. He wanted you to always know you could do more and you could be better and you could, you know, get past whatever limits people were putting on you. So I, I really appreciate that fact about your dad. So when someone is reading this book, when someone buys it and picks it up and they they read the stories and they, they see you, they get to find out the answer to how the hell did you do it? Um, what do you want people to get out of this book? 
I just want them to get inspiration and hope and that they may not be alone or maybe they're going to look at this and say, well, good Lord, um, I'm not, I mean, I, I can probably do a little bit better <laughs> than him without all these problems. And I think that they might find there's always someone who's worse at something things than, than they are and inspiration, hope, and well, if he can do it, I, I definitely can do it. And I, I don't have as much trouble as this guy has had. And uh, I think that's my, what they get from it uh, for the most part. And it doesn't have to be if you're in the military, maybe not in the military. Um, it's really about just life struggles. Um, and I probably had more than most. You know? And I, I one, one word, like you'll, you'll describe yourself many ways, but one word you will not use about yourself is hero. And why is that? Oh, just the heroes, I think, are the ones that are dead or gone, uh, that passed away. Um, yeah, I just, just never thought of uh, myself uh, as a hero because you can always look at those other guys doing other things as heroes. Um, um, meaning the, some of the, there's a lot, lot more of it. I, I, I just, I managed to survive the, the years of here uh, and just managed to get through, uh, uh, scraped by, by Chinny Chin Chin. Um, now, I, it was just methodical process of just going, and I never gave up. I, I wanted to get more training in schools, but um, no, the hero thing is, um, yeah, I just don't, uh, yeah. I mean, I think a hero, you know, if you help, I mean, I don't know. It's a, that's a, that's a sensitive term with me. <laughs> yeah. Right. No, I, I totally, I totally understand. And I think that's very noble of you. And, and I'm sure people would disagree with you on, on using that word, but um, I, I, I really appreciate that the work that you've done and, and before we kind of wrap it up here, I, I did want to um, get your take on. So say somebody is listening, say a family is listening and, and one of their children is about to enlist. One of their children is about to go to one of the military academies. One of their children is thinking about a life in the military. What are some words you can give them about making that transition from a civilian into the military? And how can a family kind of cope with those first few months, first few years when when one of their children or loved ones is in the military. So when you join, let's just say you join anything in the military, it doesn't matter, National Guard, military, whatever. The military is a huge organization. And just because that shoe don't fit on this shoe, there's other parts of the military that you might be able to fit into. Um, you're going through those first few months. It's not going to be that way all the time. Uh, and, and if you don't, like if you don't make it, like just... Just think of not the military. Think of the company of Coca-Cola. Just because you work in Coca-Cola company doesn't mean you're going to drive a Coke truck. That's kind of the military. Just because you go into the military doesn't mean that you're going to be shooting someone or getting shot at. There are. It's such a large organization that once you can get in, you can deviate into different jobs. It may take a little while. It may take some talking to, but you can. I did that. And just because I went, I didn't like field artillery, the loud, big bomb sounds. I went off and to did other things. And I just keep in mind that it's not, uh, it's, it's a huge organization. There's, there's everything from doctors, veterinarians, dentists, there's, there's the combat people, but there's logisticians. There's, uh, there's it's just a huge, every job imaginable is in the military uh, that you can find. Yeah. That's, that's good to know. And, and that, that mother or father who has to watch their son or daughter get on that flight or get on that bus or, mm -hmm. and know that I won't see them for six months, nine months, a year. What kind of words can you give that family as they watch their loved ones go into the military? 
uh, just give them encouragement. Um, maybe you could pre like uh, have them do some physical fitness uh, as far as getting used to whatever regimen they may have to get used to. Maybe a pack on their back, maybe carrying things for long periods of time. Get used to that. Uh, I mean, break in your feet. Uh, uh, it could be walking, running. Those types of things will help you out uh, because you want every advantage that you can. Uh, if you prepared pre-preparation, there's there's videos and things of, it's, and, and a lot of the military people, a lot of people want to go into that combat ranger special operations. Um, I think sports, uh, having some kids in sports is just wonderful because in sports it teaches teamwork and that's what it's really about teamwork. So any type of teamwork activities is very good for a young young child man and then for the women the, the just just understand that they have leave that they can come back on four-day weekends you can go and visit them and stay uh maybe on base or outside the base uh and, and you know there's times where they they get they get 30 days a year straight off the bat uh just by signing up so there'll be times when you can visit them and they can visit you that, that, that's got to be reassuring. And I'm glad you mentioned the feet thing because that's, I, I think people don't understand like how do, through training and, and all that stuff, like your feet get beat up. And I, I remember my brother uh, talking about that when he was uh, first in the Navy. So Jason, this has been amazing. How do people find out more about you and how do they purchase the book? Yeah, go to Amazon. I'm at Jason Pike, Amazon. Um, you can also go to jasonpike.org, jasonpike.org. Uh, you can just type in the name, A Soldier Against All Odds. Um, and I've got many, many reviews. I need more reviews. But um, mm-hmm. I my plans basically are to just do more podcasting and get the work. Mm-hmm. I have an audio book, too. Audio's out there in my own. Mm-hmm. I am the narrator. I am the author. Uh, and so um, whatever whatever you like there. Uh, so that's easy to find. And, uh, yep. I, and so from, from going from a seven-year-old who had to go through first grade twice to a narrator of your own book, that has to feel pretty good. Yes. Yes. And this book, I mean, this d- book down there killed me because once you, it scared me. I mean, seeing this stuff written out, what I did, when you see it all laid out, well, well, for me, I don't know, not for you, but for me, there was nothing, for, I was scared of, I was look. I was looking at the computer. I says, oh my God, I gotta, I gotta look at this again. Um, or review this again. Oh, and it's like, I didn't know what emotions would come out of me. I didn't know if I would start laughing crazily or crying or getting mad or there was times where I just had to leave it alone for a few weeks and come back. That's, it was, it was like a monster. I don't know what my feelings were going to be by looking just at a stupid book. Uh, and that's kind of how the, the whole process was uh, just a wicked process. You know? Well, I'm glad that you made it again. The book is called a soldier against all odds. You can find it over at jasonpike.org or head over to Amazon for different editions of it. So thank you, Jason. I appreciate you being a part of the show. Good luck in your marketing of this book. And I hope it sells a lot. And I hope you get some great reviews on it. Thank you so much for being a part of the show. Thank you much, Mark. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, as always, for listening to the 6AM Run podcast. Again, I am your host, Mark Paisant. Please like and subscribe to the show. 
so you don't miss any of this amazing content. If you can, we would love if you left us a review. Remember to follow us online and use hashtag 6AMRun to connect with the greatest group of runners and fitness enthusiasts in the world.